Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about rough, rough greens. How's your dog doing? My dog is slowing down. My dog is now 11, uh, approaching 12, and uh, he's slowing down. Um, but I think we have helped him have a, a healthier, uh, more pain-free life um, and a better life because we put rough greens on our dog's food. This is something that naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black came into my studios one time and was talking to me about. And I said, look, I, my dog won't eat anything, uh, but if you can put something like ketchup on his food and make him eat it, it'll be a wonder to me. Well, he wolfs it down. But then I saw the benefit of all of these vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and probiotics. He changed as a dog. It became much more active, much healthier. The vet was thrilled, and so are we. So is he. Roughgreens.com slash back. Roughgreens.com slash back. Or call them now at 833-GLEN-33. That's uh, 833-G-L-E-N-N-33. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. It's Friday. And, you know, one of the best things about owning your own uh, content, your own show, is when I feel like it, uh, much to the chagrin of my sponsors, I can say I just want some time just to talk to you. And so I'm getting rid of all the commercials for the next half hour. So you and I can have a talk because yesterday I was driving through the rain, uh, the rain uh, to visit a friend. And it was a powerful storm just coming down in buckets. It was dark and stormy. And that was on the way there. Then I went into my friend's house and I came out about three hours later and it was bright and beautiful and it looked like a completely different neighborhood nothing had changed except the storm had stopped and the clouds began to part on the way back i was driving through this farming community as it was bright and sunny i saw people no longer cowering or running into their homes or their stores or avoiding the storm but they were back to work as if nothing had happened and they had recognized that the storm The water that came from that storm was a blessing. That storm made it so we could go on growing and feeding and helping ourselves, our families, and others. And as I was driving through the canyons, I began to think, and I got home and I wrote some things down that I want to share with you. Because this week has been both the best of weeks and the worst of weeks. We have seen... The lies that many of us knew were lies laid bare for the world to see and many Americans finally going, wait a minute, what? We have seen the brave step forward with nothing to hide, yet a ton to fear. 
But we've also seen the depths of man's depravity, the arrogance of the elite, and the corruption of justice. We have witnessed the illusion of power. So I wanted to take a minute today and just shatter that illusion and remind you of the reality of who we are and what lies just ahead. But first, I, I want you just to take a second and breathe. Breathe deep. And then breathe in the spirit of the brave leaders who have carried us through the moments of triumph and uncertainty. Breathe in Washington at Valley Forge. Lincoln, who died to set men free. Breathe in the spirit of FDR, who fought the monsters overseas that actually believed in inferior races and useless life. He stood despite his wheelchair, the very thing that made them believe he was weak and useless made him strong and determined to see our ship through the storm. Breathe in the times we felt strength and hope from JFK and Ronald Reagan as the world inched closer to nuclear annihilation. Breathe in the brave Americans like Martin Luther King, who dared to remind us of our highest ideals, that all men are created equal, and doing it while knowing it may cost him his life, but knowing in the end it would set free the powerful force of an entire race, and in doing so would smash the shackles of racism, racism of all involved, white, black, brown, red, yellow. Breathe in the spirits of their resilience and their stories that remind us of the strength we all harness when we stand in unity. We're not strangers to adversity. And yet in the face of overwhelming odds, we're renowned for rising from the ashes of defeat, stronger, wiser, and even more united. Too many of us now doubt that this American unity that we found in the rubble of Pearl Harbor or the Twin Towers will be true again as we deal with what approaches. Do not doubt. Do not fear. The forces of darkness may feel powerful and in charge right now, but they are merely the whispers and the shadows and the echoes of ancient lies they will be defeated again but only when the truth is no longer held captive by fear our nation is the epitome of freedom the birthplace of freedom by being the birthplace of opportunity a beacon for those seeking the liberty to steer their own destiny the alluring prospect of freedom is not just a lofty ideal, but it is a living testament to the human spirit, one that stands antithetical to the constraints of Marxism and other failed ideas. Our great country rebukes such a doctrine that undermines the human essence, the inherent right to independence, the power to define one's own course. 
We're a nation built on the pillars of compassion and justice. Yet in these trying times, we seem to forget that compassion is our virtue, but it can be our vice. Because if it's left unchecked, if, if compassion is detached from eternal truths, this virtue will morph into a weapon of mass destruction. We have to strive to find a balance, nurturing empathy and compassion while adhering to the truths that have guided us thus far. The freedom to carve our own path also implies the responsibility to contribute, to work, to strive for excellence, not just personal gain, but to uplift our brothers and sisters. The American dream isn't solely about achieving personal success. In fact, I don't think it's attached to that at all. It's about charting your own course and about lifting all those around us, nurturing the collective good. We will lose our path if we don't recognize that it is high time that we restored our self-evident truths regarding gender, family, blind justice, integrity, and our basic human rights. These principles are the foundation of our society. And if we reinstate them, we will pave the way for the next great chapter of the American narrative. Freedom of speech and thought. They're pillars upon which our society rests. The ability to question, to seek truth, to challenge norms, define our human nature. Since birth, we as children have an in inherent curiosity, and that should never be stifled or restricted. Our capacity to ask why, what, how, that is the thread that weaves the very fabric of our being human and our drive to learn, explore, and grow. We stand on the precipice of demanding and times of trial, laden with complex questions and potentially tougher answers. But if we rally behind our Bill of Rights, we uphold personal responsibility and acknowledge that we are not infallible, that neither the corporations, the elites, the latest algorithm, nor governments are omnipotent. We can navigate this storm together, but we must simply acknowledge God remains God and we are not nor ever will be him. Kindness and understanding and the willingness to, uh, to embrace disagreement have been the lifeblood of our democracy. We've always been a nation that not only tolerates, but fights for the rights of those with divergent views to express themselves. This is uniquely American. This value is a testament to the strength of our commitment to freedom. As we face our challenges head on, we must remember the virtues and the values that set us apart on this continent. 
Let us be guided by our shared commitment to the freedoms that we hold dear. It's only this way that we can build a better future for all Americans. There is a new horizon waiting for us. It beckons us to recalibrate, to renew ourselves, and to chart a course that is reflective of the diverse, the vibrant, and resilient spirit that has always been quintessentially American. It's, it's our unity, not our diversity. Unity is our strength. Our commitment to the freedom of the individual to seize the opportunity that is just over the threshold of tomorrow. That's our anchor. With unity and the individual, with these, we'll write a new invigorating chapter in our shared American story. It's not going to be some internet mob. Some angry, misguided malcontents who march and burn and destroy, nor a puffed-up army of government administrators or an all-powerful executive. But it will be us, us as individuals in our own way, in our own lives, simply by uniting under the banner that we still hold these ideas as self-evident truths. That all men are created equal that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. And let me emphasize that this same government in the next line derives their just powers from the consent of the governed. That's you. That's not some distant pencil pusher you never voted for. Not some foreign body or collection of people who have absolutely no power in their forums. That's you. Break the shackles of the lies and illusions. Make a commitment to speak only the truths that unite us and have united us for centuries. Do all that you can do to restore the faith in one another again. Yes, we're different. Yes, we disagree. But we must unite on what we have in common. And those things are those self-evident principles. If you can't say that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator, if you cannot agree with the Bill of Rights, heck, give me eight out of the ten. If you can't, if you can't speak the words that those words are true and the highest ideals that any country has ever espoused, and yes, we don't live up to it all the time. We have had very dark periods in our country, but we have also had unbelievable light. Whatever the government may have done from time to time, don't put that on my door. I wasn't born. I wasn't around. I didn't have the right to vote at that time. What the government is doing in my lifetime is a reflection of me if they answer to the people, which they no longer do. 
They are no longer restrained by the governed who give them their just powers. I haven't seen a just power in quite some time. Breathe in Washington. Breathe in King. Breathe in the good times. Breathe in the times where we were at each other's throats, but we came back together because we had a common purpose. I hear people on the right now talk about a new founding. an unrestrained executive that we are too far gone. We need to forget and stop conserving what is good and start reimagining. No, we do not need a new founding. We do not need a reimagining. We need a reset. We need a rediscovery. We need a recommitment. We need a restoration of truth of God and the power he gives each of us to rule over our own lives and our passions and our feelings. So many times I fear we're not going to make it. So many times I fear, I fear and feel like I felt in my pickup truck driving to my friend's house yesterday. Jeez, look at this storm. Look at the damage that it's doing. But I promise you, we'll weather the storm if we understand that it's temporary. That our fear is not real. If we curse the storm after the storm, we haven't learned a thing. I thank God for the storm. I thank God for the storms of my life. I thank God for all of the things that, oh, I've been through and you've been through. We all have our storms. We all have our problems. We all struggle. All of us struggle. Thank God for that. Because I am a stronger man and I'm a better man for that. Thank you for the rain. It has helped me grow. It washes away the dirt and the grime. It purifies why we have baptism that's what that means it washes away all of the grime and the filth and you know why it works because those of us who have seen the change in our life needed the change in our life and we had faith that this water and being immersed in that water would perform miracles in our lives. 
if we didn't believe, if we didn't strive for, if we didn't do the basic work, that water would just be water. The clouds are breaking. Shadows only exist because there is a light somewhere. And as the shadows grow more defined and darker and more menacing, realize that's only because the light has grown stronger. God is is very well aware of you. God knows who you are. He knows what your struggles are. When you recognize that he knows this and that the storms of our lives will make us better and put us into the situation to where we need to be if we will just not curse the storm. We can learn, and it will renew us. I worry so much about so many of our friends and family and you. I worry so much of those who are in the depths of despair and think there is no way out. That think their life is not worth living. That is the whisper of lies. Let's move forward together toward the promising horizon, knowing that all will be well in the end. We've done it before. And if we do it again, we will triumph. We will demonstrate to the world again the indomitable American spirit. More in a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. Have you ever spent a full 20 years providing people with great products that help them sleep? Yeah, me neither. Especially, actually, especially me. I uh, Mostly what I do for a living, I provide uh, for you a way to keep you awake at night. So I guess, you know, Mike Lindell is very important to this audience because he makes a great pillow and one I sleep on every single night. He's turning 20 this year. Well, he's not, but my pillow is turn, turning 20 this year. So now for a limited time only, MyPillow is offering you a free gift valued at $20. There's no purchase necessary. You just go over to MyPillow.com and you'll see the offer right on the main page. Again, no purchase is necessary. While you're there, 
Don't forget to check out all the deep discounts they're having on their most loved products. MyPillow is turning 20, and they want to share the celebration with you by giving you amazing savings on amazing products. To access these discounts, just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, then use the promo code BECK or call 800-966-3117, 800-966-3117. It's MyPillow.com, promo code BECK. Now's the time to subscribe to Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. Dog. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. We have a lot on our plate today. Uh, Trump went to uh, court. Uh, right after his third arraignment now, this is what he said. Here's cut one. Well, thank you very much. This is a very sad day for America. And it was also very sad driving through Washington, D.C. and seeing the filth and the decay and all of the broken <laughs> buildings and walls and the graffiti. This is not the place that I left. It's a very sad thing to see it. Uh, when you look at what's happening, this is a persecution of a political opponent. This was never supposed to happen in America. This is the persecution of the person that's leading by very, very substantial numbers in the Republican primary and leading Biden by a lot. So if you can't beat him, you persecute him or you prosecute him. We can't let this happen in America. Thank you very you much, He said earlier, I'm only one arraignment away from locking up the election. (laughs) Uh, His poll numbers in Iowa uh, are looking very good and solid. Uh, There's a new uh, poll that is out today. Yeah, uh, it's they're not as good as his national numbers, uh, but they're still pretty darn good. Uh, He's at four. Four, let's see here, 44% among Iowa GOP voters. DeSantis at 20, which is up a little bit from his showing nationally. Um, the biggest you know, difference from the other candidates was Tim Scott, who was showed up at 9% mm. in this poll. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone, Ramaswamy's at 5, Haley's at 4, Pence at 3, Doug Burgum at 1. Uh, so that's your Chris Christie could not get to one. We should point out did not quite get to uh, one. He yeah. did have a good poll in New Hampshire mm-hmm. yesterday, but uh, he did not get to one percent in this particular poll. Um, Unbelievable! This one what was his poll in New Hampshire. Uh, let me pull that up. I, I believe he was at eleven percent in New Hampshire. Shut up! Um, you know, well, shut up, you New know, Hampshire. He, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you figure he's going to do better in a Northeast situation than he's going to do in, in a place like Iowa, where he doesn't even seem to be competing. I mean, he didn't even come to yeah. the event that uh, we covered in in Iowa, which, you know, other than him. Well, we didn't have enough catering. No. We didn't have enough catering <laughs> for him and me. No, that's impossible. The whole state it. didn't have enough. Yeah. Um, right. But uh, <laughs> the only other quote unquote top candidate to get to not come was Trump. And Trump obviously makes at some levels, you could argue, it makes sense considering he has a big lead. Um, you know, he doesn't have to show up to every event like everyone else does, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Chrissy didn't even bother to show, largely because he's just not even trying in, in Iowa. He's going for a New Hampshire situation. And really, of course, he's not even trying to be president. He just wants to yell at people um, and get more catering. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, he was at eleven percent uh, in the poll. There, uh, he was. A li- I think he's still in third place. I believe DeSantis was second, and of course Trump was leading the uh, the poll. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's still too early to take too much from this stuff. I mean, I think we have the general the general idea of the race, which is Donald Trump leads by a significant margin. Going to be really tough to beat him. Mm-hmm. Uh, DeSantis is a clear number two. And everyone else kind of fighting for their moment uh, below that. So uh, I want to play something. This is from CBS News. I, and, and I just want to play this because I want to ask you if you've ever heard anything like this. They've just indicted the president of the United States who is running against the current president of the United States. Uh, they've indicted him. That's never been done before in American history. That's never been done before. It should be pretty weighty. This particular indictment, everybody says, I mean, anybody who is honest, uh, every attorney that looks at it is honest, like, yeah, there's no case here. There is no case here. Listen to how CBS News handles this yesterday. Also in the courtroom is the special counsel, Jack Smith. And I want to spend a moment on Jack Smith because um, he is essentially who Donald Trump is up against in multiple of these uh, indictments. The two, of course, the classified documents and the January 6th one. And they are sitting across from each other inside this courtroom. Jack Smith is someone who has run over and competed in over 100 triathlons. He was reportedly at one point <laughs> hit when he was on his bike by a truck. Yeah. And 10 weeks later, mm. he ran another triathlon. What? This wow. is a man of a lot of grit and oh. a lot of determination. Yes. And even what we have seen in these indictments is just a sliver of what they know and his prosecutorial team knows, right? His aggressive approach to his personal health and exercise correlates to how he approaches his prosecution and his strategy. We've talked a lot about how the former president <laughs> is under pressure, but Jack Smith is also under pressure today. What a what? Oh what my is gosh. that? And I mean, I, if, you've never, is, if you've never seen Jack Smith, he doesn't look like The Rock. <laughs> I mean, like they make it no. sound like he's Dwayne Johnson. I mean, he's just a normal looking guy. It is amazing to me. That was their political take. That was their legal take. They were talking about the prosecution of a former president. And I love the, the you know, just what we see in the documents. I mean, that's just a sliver of what he and his prosecutors know, right? Please, what do you mean, right, right. Like that's like <laughs> yeah, we looked at the documents I and know. we were underwhelmed. So he's got more, right? Like that's more, the right? approach they're looking for it here. Is, it is a, it is amazing to me. This they have not learned a thing, not a thing. This is what they were doing during the RussiaGate thing. Oh, we, we've we're told that they've got a lot. I mean, this is it. This is going to be the knockout punch. It's incredible. And over it's and over and incredible. over again, it would be nothing right over and over and over again. It would be disappointing. And they'd have to come up with reasons to justify why it actually was good in retrospect. They have not learned one thing from this. Not one thing. And, you know, I, I mean, everybody who looks at this, I think, comes to the same conclusion that. You know, they don't have what they need in a case like this is a text or an email or Donald Trump on tape saying, I know I didn't win this election, but I'm going to do this anyway because I want to remain in power 
It needs to be that clear. We're talking about convicting the president of the United States for trying to overthrow an election. You need real evidence, not... I mean, legitimately, Glenn, if you look at the indictment, they're like, well, he knew he had lost the election, and here's how we know that. Mike Pence told him he lost it. Well, he doesn't... When's the last time he right ever now. listened to Mike Pence? I, has there ever <laughs> been a time? Uh, see, I, well, that, I, that I'm under the, the belief that he went there and he said, Mike, will you be my VP? And then he didn't even stick around to hear what he said in response. <laughs> like, that is how little Donald Trump cares what Mike Pence says. You know, and I have to tell you, it is, it's crazy because you're exactly right. That is the evidence. He had experts tell him. Oh, oh, he had experts tell him. Okay. All right. And so he could not have believed otherwise. The experts told him. When has Donald Trump listened to any of these experts except for Fauci? <laughs> when oh. has he ever listened to them? When? It's a very good point. I, I will say, too, you know, again, we can all mock people like Sidney Powell, but coming into that situation, she was relatively well respected as, as an attorney. Uh, yes. Rudy Giuliani obviously was a close advisor to Donald Trump for a long time. He had his slew of people telling him, you know, what he wanted to hear slash, uh, you know, that he won the election and he should do all these things. He had his, I mean, John Eastman was a very highly respected legal expert before all this stuff went down. I mean, he's, he's not a, he's not a schlub at all. I mean, these are people who are saying, Hey, this could be something to go. It's, it's a theory, you know, it might not work, might get thrown out in the courts, but it's something you can try. So he even had his own experts that he can cite. I just don't see how you're going to get into his head unless you have legitimate not. black and white evidence right he's on tape you have saying him on something tape. yeah like yes. that's what you need that's what you need and people are and like it well, has how to be, get a conviction without that well maybe you shouldn't get a conviction without it you know maybe that's the way our system right. should work you should have real crystal <laughs> right. clear evidence to convict a former president who's currently the leader of the opposition party and if you want to talk about people believing the experts, let's go back to Al Gore and Hillary Clinton that all believe that the 2000 election was stolen and have said it for two decades, two decades. They have their own expert, the New York Times. The New York Times was telling them this in a time when we trusted the experts and they still didn't trust them. They still say it. Come on. Come on. Yeah, I think there wasn't a break. You know, I've read a bunch of these books about the internal, you know, machinations of the Trump administration and all that was going down. And like, of course, you can't know every single bit of this is true. But what it does seem like is early on after the election, he had a few moments where he's like, I can't believe I lost to Joe Biden. And like, how did the house seriously? How did this happen? Right. Before it was really settled, he did try to uh, to challenge all these things in court. But I mean, at the end of the day, As he should have. He was convinced that he won. Like it's, he may have had moments you? early on where he was like, "Gosh, I can't believe this happened." But he wound up coming to the conclusion, right or wrong, he came to the conclusion that he won, and he's stuck to that ever since. And it's going to be really hard to prove a state of mind that he actually believed he lost, but did these things anyway, which is really what this is dependent on. And, I, you know, I mean, they're not going to be able to find that unless you have some incredible evidence we don't know about yet. And they just left out of the indictment. It's going to be really hard to prove that. I would like to be uh, I would like to be called to the witness stand as a witness for the defense. Uh, OK, I called him 
uh, a week before January 6th. Okay, it was right before uh, um, uh, right before I returned from holiday and I call him up and he's in the White House. He's in the Oval Office. And he said, first thing out of his mind, can you believe how this was rigged? I said, uh, hello, Mr. President. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, he said, uh, he said, Glenn, this 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 was complete thievery. And I said, well, Mr. President, I don't I don't know. I don't have the facts, but I you'll never convince me that everything was on the up and up. Now, that didn't mean to me that he would have won. He may have. I don't know that for a fact, but I will tell you that I believe lots of votes were stolen, inaccurate and everything else. I don't know the total number, what it would have been. I happen to believe, but this is my belief. I happen to believe it wasn't on the up and up, and it probably would have gone to him if they wouldn't have played all of these games. But I don't know that. But he was absolutely convinced. There was no talking to him about, well, you know, uh, I'm not sure. He was like, there's got to be, there's got to be a way to be able to prove this, and they're moving right by it. That's what the president told me. And he was specifically... You, you're trying to get into his head. Well, there it is. I mean, I believed him. I believed him. He tells me things. You know, when I disagree with him, he'll tell me that. Well, and I did. <laughs> Sorry, well, we're going to disagree on that one. Okay. He believed this. Yeah, I think I, I mean, I think it's quite clear he believed it. Now, should he be, have believed it? I mean, I think some of the stuff that was coming out from, you know, uh, people like Sidney Powell was, to me, unbelievable. And by the way, we told her that on the air. We said, hey, you, this yes, seems incredible. Did. You better come on with some evidence and prove this. And she never she never was Correct. able to do that. Um, but still, regardless, it doesn't matter whether you think or you know, uh, Bill Barr thinks or, you know, that Jack Smith thinks Correct. that this was was obvious. It's him. It's him. And there's, as far as I know, certainly not in the indictment, any evidence that he actually believed he had lost this election and was, and was trying to go ahead with this anyway. He believed you know, that he won and he was getting screwed and he was doing what he could to try to overturn that. Now, uh, there's all sorts of questions about what he did and whether you like it or not. That's you, know, you can make all those distinctions all you want. But if you're talking about his mindset, I think his mindset's pretty clear. When we lose one of our service members or first responders, the tragedy doesn't end on that day, especially for their families. Who's there to help pick up the pieces? Tunnel to Towers is. When veterans who have served our country end up living on the streets, who reaches out with a hand of help? Tunnel to Towers does. If if the um, country doesn't remember those who fight and die and what they fight and die for, we're lost. The foundation um, in the line of duty programs from Tunnel to Towers, the Gold Star Fallen First Responders, the Smart Home, the, the Veterans Homelessness Programs, they're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. And their Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrances all across the country. 
they are hosting 80 runs, walks, climbs per year. They have dozens of golf outings and barbecues. And they work to educate kids of all ages to help our nation never forget what happened on 9-11 and what it means to us today. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation goes to these programs directly. Never forget the sacrifices our country's greatest heroes have made for us. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Tunnel to Towers, T2T.org. Join the conversation. 888-727-BECK. The Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Wow, we have uh, just a slew of really great shows uh, coming. I, I've been up at the ranch uh, during the summer, and I am learning so much. I think I found my next Woodrow Wilson. I think I found the guy who did possibly as much damage, if not more. And this guy is a guy you've never heard of. And he has he totally changed the course of our country intentionally. You know, he knew what Woodrow Wilson was trying to do. And he's like, okay, I got this. I know how to do this. And he changed absolutely everything all the way to your local government. And uh, I can't wait to share his name. I'm still doing research on it, but I can't wait to share. Um, learning so much this, uh, this summer. By the way, it's something Tanya and I have dedicated ourselves to do. Spend an hour every day learning something new. Uh, you know, we're going to spend an hour... Uh, when I get home, learning how to play the piano. Learn something, anything new that is uh, worthwhile. Spend an hour and it'll change your life. All right, back with Kurt Cameron next. The Glenn Beck Program. My friend, it is Friday, and Kirk Cameron joins us. He is actor, producer, all-around good guy. Kirk Cameron is here to talk to us about something that is happening at local libraries tomorrow that I think is very important. We talk to him in 60 seconds. Stand by. Legacy Box. You know all those, um, those old VHS tapes that you have? I've got tapes that I don't even know what they are. I really I don't know. It's like, what machine took this? I don't even recognize this tape. But there's memories on those tapes, and they are they are going to disintegrate over time. They're not meant to, uh, to last more than 10 years, and especially in our garage or our attic, where too many of them are. 
Digitizing your old media with Legacy Box stops the fading process and the destruction of your history by preserving your recordings so they're safe forever. You know that I collect American history, but American history really, it's, it's not proven unless we can show our own American history, how we lived, how we grew up, what things were really like. We have to preserve these things. Be your own family's historian and archivist, will you? This summer's heat will age your videotapes, your film reels, and fade your photos. Visit LegacyBox.com back and shop their $9 tape sale. This is really a big discount. It's usually like 27 or 30 bucks. It's now the $9 tape sale happening right now at LegacyBox.com. That's LegacyBox.com slash Beck, and you'll unlock this exclusive author offer. It is LegacyBox.com slash Beck. Kirk, Kirk Cameron is uh, joining us now. Hi, Kirk. How are you? Hey, Glenn, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, Appreciate you. And and thanks for the compliment about all around good guy. But remember, I'm an actor. I could be faking this whole thing. (laughs) I know you well enough to know you are not faking it. Um, But Kirk, what you're doing with libraries, I think, is so important. The the American Library Association, every local library should distance themselves right now. And the people of the community should demand it. Get away from the American Library Association they are they are corrupt and going in the opposite direction that's just my opinion i don't want to make that your opinion well i think your 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 opinion uh, is uh, comporting with truth and reality uh, the director of the ala is a self-described marxist and the, the the lady that we've been tangoing with who's the director of the office of intellectual freedom and diversity is the <laughs> one who has uh-huh. been caught on video teaching librarians how to block American families, specifically families of faith who like me and want to come with their children and read books to their kids tomorrow morning as part of our event uh, called see you at the library. So the ALA uh, is, is really teaching libraries all across the country, how to break the law and engage in open religious discrimination. But as, as you know, uh, th- there's the divine hand of providence behind this whole thing. And the story just gets better and better because mm-hmm. it's only tripling and quadrupling the size of the audience. We now have 300 yeah, public libraries that are signed up for tomorrow. And that's representing 45 states across the country. And they're bringing thousands and tens of thousands of people into the library to read books that are about uh, true religion and virtue. These are the indispensable supports of America that will cause Marxism to be a thing of the past if it takes root again. So I, I highly recommend. Uh, where can you get that list of what libraries are participating? It, uh, go to bravebooks.com. That's bravebooks.com. Okay. Click on the, the tab called See You at the Library. And there's a map of the United States. You can just zoom in and find your state, your county, your libraries. And um, there's, again, over 300 of them. Uh, I I can't um, express enough to you, the listener, that please get involved in this. Please go tomorrow and make a a statement and an impact. Come in love and peace and unity and harmony, um, but make an impact in your library and then don't let it rest there. 
go to your city council, go to your mayor, go to your city leaders and insist that they get out of the American Library Association. There is no reason. It is just as dangerous, if not more so, than the uh, the teachers uh, uh, unions. They are they have been completely hijacked. No matter what they say, they are Marxist. They are teaching garbage to our children. They do not have the American values that we hold traditionally. I don't want to see any book burnings or anything else. But there is such a thing as appropriate books in appropriate sections. And I'm sorry, but America has always had, and people call us prudes for this. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. There used to be beads at the door where you'd have to go in and you'd see things. We don't share those things with our children. We just don't do it. It's not healthy for them. Yeah, absolutely agree with you, with with you, Glenn. And it's so interesting. I mean, it's the height of hypocrisy, right? Those who are afraid of book burnings, those who are saying, hey, no, don't ban our books. Don't ban our books. We want to teach children pornographic material and and, and how to have sexual acts with with one another and change their genders and pronouns and all that. And yet they are the very same people who are wanting to block and deny access to families of faith who want to talk about faith, hope and love. Uh, but but I, I love the way all of this plays out because it's really firing up the parents and the grandparents. Uh, they're coming out in droves, pastors, uh, state senators like Marco Rubio and Ashcroft and Kramer and others. Uh, state governors are coming and participating, county commissioners, mayors. Uh, we have celebrities coming to read children's books at the libraries. And, you know, I, I want parents to, to understand that there is no more powerful position in the United States than being a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa change does not begin at the white house. It begins at your house. And Glenn, you've been a champion of this for decades. you celebrate freedom events. you celebrate love events. We've got to have a ground game and not be whiners. We've got to become winners by putting feet to our face and our convictions. And that's what this Saturday is all about. And I will tell you showing up is the first step. I'm going to check the uh, map uh, when we uh, finish here, Kirk, and I'm going to see if there's a library near me and I will go uh, myself on Saturday and I'd be more than willing to read one of the books uh, for the kids. But I I will tell you this, that um, it, it is so vital that you get involved and take back your libraries. I mean, I just did a huge fundraiser for a school and a library here in my uh, neighboring town for where my ranch is up in Idaho. And I'm going to ask the uh, the uh, library board, are you members of the American Library Association? If so, why? Yep. Why? That should change. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a great question. And, and there are states that have already um, pulled themselves out of the ALA. And I've talked yes. to a governor uh, recently about doing the same thing. Many are already are in the process of doing that as well. And when you think about it, how crazy is it that you would block families from coming to your local library? Glenn, we, we have uh, three. I have three libraries I'm going to tomorrow. I'm getting in a plane and I'm going to three libraries in three states in one day. And one of them is in Alabama. Alabama just canceled the event and they cited capacity concerns. Well, listen, we're polite. We stand in yeah. line. First come, first serve. People are happy to stand out in the rain in the parking lot. We've done it many times before. We just sing right. songs like God Bless America, and we pray for each other. And they tried to cancel it again, and um, they're, they're, they're not right in doing that. And the crazy thing is, libraries are becoming 
a bit obsolete and irrelevant to the younger generation with all of the ebooks and online learning options. And so yep. they should be grateful. Yep. They should be embracing this family friendly movement that's bringing people to their libraries. Instead, they're so they've drunk the woke Kool-Aid. They're so filled with fear or something that they're cutting off their nose despite their face. Yeah, I really um, I don't understand the uh, use of the public funds for libraries um, when you can access every book ever written online. I mean, I like libraries. I think the printed book is very, very important. I uh, happen to agree with uh, Carnegie uh, when Carnegie built libraries all across the country and he he built them in poor cities. And he gave them the library of the king, what the king had in his library at that time. So that way, every single American, no matter how poor, could have the education of a prince or a king Mm. and change their Mm. status. I believe in all of that stuff. But I got to tell you, when the library is no longer a place that you can go in and learn and learn how to learn how to ask questions how to compare in contrast to say wait a minute they say this they say this which one is true when it is being guided down the path of evil and uh and just grotesque ideas like pedophilia uh and and mutilation of our children i'm sorry why am i paying for that i don't believe in it yeah why am i paying for it no Boy, I, I sure agree. And, and, and this really gets us down to our, our, our fundamental ideas about what is good and what is evil, what is light and what is darkness. And when we, uh, when we, when we unhitch ourselves, when, when we disconnect from those transcendent values, those, those heavenly principles that God's given us, uh, we, we just we spiral out of control into uh, a moral swamp and uh, a, a darkness that we... We, we, become, we become so used to it that we think it's normal. And this young generation is growing up that way. They desperately need us to get back in the game and rescue them and bring them back to the, their blessing and their protection. And Glenn, I appreciate you and all that you do uh, and have been doing for decades to, to help us see that. Well, Kirk, I thank you very much as well. And I have, I have to tell you, you have two children's books out as you grow. And this one... I just love, I've wanted to talk to you for a while now and just say, thank you for saying this. Your other book is pride becomes uh, comes before the fall. I have been saying that for a while now where it's like, we, we, we need to be humble and pride. Isn't it interesting that the left is pushing pride when we know that's a deadly sin. We know that's a deadly sin. What are we doing? Yeah, you, you, we were just listening to that ad on your program here about pride parades. Could you imagine if, uh, if we just swapped it out for some of the other deadly sins and, and we had um, yeah. sloth parades? <laughs> Let's have some greed parades. How about some gluttony parades and some lust and envy parades? And, and yep. pride is the pregnant mother that gives birth to every other form of evil. Pride separates us from each other in marriage, in relationships with our kids. Pride separates us from God. we got to humble ourselves. That's the pathway to blessing and love and relationship. Kids should know that. Amen. Kirk, it's good to talk to you. I haven't talked to you in a while. It's good to talk to you. And and I follow what you're doing, and I, I salute you. Thank you so much. 
Well, you as well, Glenn. Thank you. I hope you have a great weekend. And um, everybody, if you get a chance, find a library, go there, and join this movement of recapturing the hearts and minds of our kids. God bless you. And it's bravebooks.com, bravebooks.com, where you can find uh, where there is a library near you. Kirk, thanks. God bless. All right. Have a great, have a great day. Thanks. There was a time, and you know the time when I was talking about, when uh, it was nothing for you to pack a days full of life's little adventures, when uh, you could spend time with the people you love, and it was accented by the energy and desire to get out and do things. You still may have that desire, but you don't do it anymore, maybe because of the pain. Pain, it comes slowly sometimes, and it steals your daily world uh, tennis game or a pleasant afternoon walk at the time it steals all those one by one maybe it settled in overnight and has never left you either way you have two choices you can fight it or you can succumb to it may i recommend you do a few rounds with pain with relief factor i don't know you'll know in the first three rounds the first three weeks whether you're going to be able to uh, have this help you or not they, they've put together a three-week trial pack that will, will demonstrate to you that it will make a difference in your life, or at the end of three weeks, it won't. Now, 70% find that the, uh, the uh, program provides real relief, and it is all natural, so it's not going to drug you out or anything like that. It works with your body to fight inflammation, which is where most of our pain comes from. ReliefFactor.com. Call 800-4-RELIEF. 800-4-RELIEF. ReliefFactor.com. Feel the difference. Also, I want to tell you about Blinds.com. There's something that you may never have heard of. I'm sure uh, I never have. A cyber summer sale. Going now through August 8th, you're going to get 40% off everything plus doorbuster deals when you go to Blinds.com. Blinds.com knows that summer is the best time for home improvement, and they've got everything you could possibly need. Roman and roller shades, shutters, curtains, pretty much everything except the kitchen sink. You're going to have to go to Home Depot for that. But uh, they even have outdoor shades, and they make your deck or patio cooler. The blackout shades that will keep, keep the uh, electric bill from getting up so high in the summer and the winter and they'll ship samples directly to you if you need help with measuring and installation they've got that covered it's the best of the best at blinds.com shop and save big at blinds.com's summer cyber sale now through august 8th get 40 percent off site-wide plus doorbusters so this weekend save 40 percent only at blinds.com's summer cyber sale Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 10 seconds. Station ID. You know, one of the biggest uh, tricks uh, by both the deep state and the corrupt left is convincing the American people that they don't exist. If we allow that to persist and we allow ourselves to be black-pilled, Uh, That magic trick could hand them the next election and they have mobilized unlike anything I've ever seen before. This is much more than the 2020 election in 2024. 2020 is going to look like child's play, but they have exposed themselves and their methods in doing so. But for some reason, nobody will expose it. I told you in 2020 exactly what their game plan was. Unfortunately, nobody in the GOP even listened. 
you i exposed this on wednesday night top of next hour i'm going to go through some of it and introduce you to some some uh, organizations some ngos that you've never heard of and that's really weird because they're very well connected and doing things in a very big way i'll show it to you on the um, tv show that was on wednesday you can find that at youtube or blaze tv.com slash glenn You'll find the Wednesday night special, and I'll show you the documents and everything else. But uh, coming up next hour, I'll show you the electoral machine that they have built that goes uh, goes back all the way before the Obama election. But now it is churning like uh, in ways you can't even imagine. I'll share some of that information next hour on the program, but also... Don't miss the Wednesday night special. It was a couple of days ago on Blaze TV. You can get it on demand now on blazetv.com slash Glenn or on my YouTube channel. I think the black pill uh, yeah, thing yeah, you're, you're yeah, talking yeah. about there, Glenn, is really important. I see this a lot on you know online of people so depressed about the state of things that they don't think they can do anything. You know, And the election is a good example of it. People say, OK, the 2020 election, a lot of people think, you know, hey, this was stolen. And of course, because it was stolen, Democrats got in power. Uh, and because they are in power, it's going to be worse this time. So what's the point? What's the point of going out and voting? What's the point of doing any of this if we think this is going to happen again? Look, I mean, I, you know. Did you have a responsibility? Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, Stu, last night I, I found out some stuff doing some research. I found out some stuff that I'm not prepared to share yet uh, that I, I, I spent a couple of hours going, oh, why why am i getting up in the morning and doing anything why am i not just concentrating on my family you know uh because it's too late it is way too late and then you know after a couple of hours of feeling like a pity party and feeling like oh we're never gonna win we have a responsibility to stand up and if and if we don't stand up it will disintegrate right in front of our eyes it's it's it is uh, a self-fulfilling prophecy. You can't be blackpilled. Yeah, and you know, we were just talking to Kirk Cameron, you know, if you're a person of faith too, I mean, I think you look at it as you need to do what your role is, right? You can't control the outcome. It's not yeah. really up to you. So, you know, you go out and you do what you can do and you do your part and you can't control whether the the entire society and civilization <laughs> collapses next week. It's just not really yep. up to you. It's not really your your domain uh which is probably good we we're, we're not human beings are not necessarily good at at, at at predicting all those things and and everyone's vision for how things are supposed to be not always the right vision so you go out you do what you believe is right and you know you kind of damn the consequences in some regard <laughs> you know it's like you 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 might be made fun of you might be mocked you might be kicked off of where you're supposed to be online you might you might lose, you know, access to your job or your your livelihood and someone, your friend might hate you that used to love you and all those things. And like the point of all of this, I think, is to still do the right thing in that circumstance. Yeah, 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 it really is. By the way, I'm looking at the story hour events. Uh, that is tomorrow, August 5th. Uh, if you go to Brave Books, wow, there's it is everywhere. Wow especially up in crazy places in the east and in washington state there's a ton of them in california a ton make sure you check this out see you at the library tomorrow 
If you would like to attend with your family for Family Story Hour, just go to bravebooks.us, bravebooks.us, and look for the section See You at the Library. It is tomorrow. And don't forget the Glenn Beck Program. Follow it up with the ending of your library in the uh, uh, American Library Association. It has gone very, very dark, uh, and you need to be aware of that and get it out of your library. All right. uh, Our sponsor uh, this half hour is Preborn. Good news on the abortion front. Thanks to you. This year, Preborn has rescued over 28,000 babies. This year alone, 28,000 babies have been born that were in doubt of being born. uh, And they are taking their very first breaths and very first steps because of you. You're having an impact. But we have a lot uh, farther to go. For $28, you can help introduce an at-risk baby to their mom through a free ultrasound. That's the cost of buying a dinner, and that's the cost of buying an ultrasound. $28. If you have the means, would you consider a leadership gift to save babies in a big way? Your tax-deductible donation of five grand will sponsor Preborn's entire network for 24 hours. Keyword baby at pound 250. Keyword baby, pound 250. Preborn.com slash back. And blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. You'll save 10 bucks off Blaze TV. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. It is Friday. Now, I don't want to get involved in the circus. Uh, and it really is a circus. I mean, it is just... Hey, look the other way. And over here in ring number three. So you take your eye off the ball. And this whole, did President Obama drown his chef? Come on, (laughs) stop it right now. But there is something else that is, I don't know. I can't decide if this is circus or not circus. Uh, Former President Barack Obama once wrote that he fantasized about having sexual relations with other men, say biographer David Garrow. Um, The former president expressed his fantasies in a letter to a girlfriend at the time. Garrow told Tablet Magazine in the interview that the letter had been redacted and is currently in the possession of Emory University. The ex-girlfriend provided a copy of the letter, but had redacted one paragraph. Garrow told the Tablet, who said she revealed the paragraph was about homosexuality. I'm quoting, sometimes right about when The Rising Star came out, Alex indirectly sold the original, sold these letters, and they ended up at Emory, Garrow told the tablet while discussing it in his 2017 book of Obama. Uh, Rising Star, which touched on Obama's reportedly dreaming about homosexuality. So Emory put out a press release saying we've gotten these rare letters by Barack Obama with no mention of this paragraph that it was too sensitive. None of the papers mentioned it. Emory didn't mention it. So he says he uh, wrote to a colleague, said, go to the Emory archives. He spent his whole life at Emory, but they won't let him take pictures, Garrow said later in the interview. So Harvey has to sit there with a pencil and copy out the graph where uh, where Barack writes to Alex about his repeated fantasies about making love to men. Now, (laughs) this is kind of important. Um, 
<laughs> because when he got into office, he was uh, against gay marriage and everything else and and tried to say that, you know, he was, you know, uh, family values kind of guy. He later revealed that he wasn't a family values kind of guy. But this has been out for a while now. Yeah, this is... And why is it n- none of us know about this? Yeah, it's a really weird story, honestly. Uh, but it, so it does not to it does not appear to be some massive conspiracy theory or anything like that um and and i also don't think the part about him fantasizing about having sex with men is nearly the most important part that's coming out of this it's a very long article it's in tablet magazine it's very much worth your time though um and it comes from so this this guy david garrow now garrow is um is a well-known author. He wrote the FBI and Martin Luther King Jr., which is a very highly respected book. Um, he mm, won the yeah. Pulitzer Prize for a biography with uh, uh, bearing the cross. Um, he, he had he was one of the three historian consultants who, uh, who animated the monumental PBS documentary Eyes on the Prize, as well as the author of a landmark history of abortion rights, liberty, and sexuality. So he's not like some. Hardcore conservative activists trying to prove some conspiracy theory. That's not his profile right. at all. And this book came out. I think we've had him on the show before, haven't we? We should have him on again about this because I didn't even know this book was even out. Right. And that's what the strangest it? part about, about this. It's making the, the rounds to this week because of this article and interview in Tablet. Um, however, the book came out in 2017. Now, if you think back to when this period is like Trump has just come into office you know, the, the left is going insane. They're protesting in the streets. There's all this stuff going on. And the Obama era had just ended, and we were all kind of happy on the right to be rid of it. I don't think any of us had any interest in reading an Obama uh, early years biography in 2017. That's when this book came out. And it came out really to very little fanfare. I mean, it didn't really capture anyone's attention at the time. However, what Garrow did was essentially a lot of the work that we had requested to be done by journalists this entire time all these stories barack obama told about his early years can someone go find the people he was talking about and ask them these questions and he did this in fact i think he said he talked to a thousand people um, about uh, barack obama's history for this book which came out in 2017 one of the fascinating stories here is about sort of the origin story of Barack Obama. In his book, Dreams from My Father, he talked about his change to accepting himself as a black man, right? His accepting the black consciousness that he was born to which, illustrate. Right. Which, mm-hmm. which was the change came because he broke up with a racist girlfriend, right? Kind of. Yeah. That's a story. Yeah. Yeah. He he, this is from the tablet article in in dreams for my father. Obama describes a passionate disagreement following a play by African-American playwright August Wilson, in which the young protagonist defends his incipient embrace of the black racial conscience consciousness against his girlfriend's white identified liberal universalism. As readers, we know that the stakes of this decision would be more than simply personal. The black American man that Obama wills into being in this scene would go on to marry a black woman from the south side of Chicago named Michelle Robinson, and after a meteoric rise, win the presidency, of course, as the first black president of the United States. Yet what Garrow documented, after tracking down and interviewing this girlfriend, right? So someone found the girlfriend, and and what's fascinating about this is 
He's no longer president of the United States when this book comes out. And Garrow seems to be the first person who's ever even attempted to actually find the other person in the story. Which is... After about 10 years of that being in print. Yeah. Well, I mean, and longer than that from the actual book, right? Like, this is... This goes back... The book itself was even earlier than that. So... Oh, what's it really? Yeah. Throughout the entire rise of Barack Obama to being a senator, to being president, and then his entire Mm. eight years in office... Nobody bothered to actually find out if any of this was true, which is incredible. So he found the woman who is, by the way, not in witness protection. I mean, she's a professor. Like, she was findable this whole time. Um, And again, she's a liberal. I don't think that she was going to talk to necessarily conservatives who tried to find her. But Garrow did find her. And she said the fight did occur. However, the fight was over a very different subject. In her telling, the quarrel that ended the the couple's relationship was not about Obama's self-identification as a black man, and the impetus was not a play about the American black experience, but an exhibit at Chicago Spurtis Institute about the 1961 trial of Adolf Eichmann. At the time... What? Yeah. um, Chicago politics were being roiled by a black mayoral aide named Steve Coakley who in a series of lectures organized by Louis Farrakhan, um, Mm. they accused Jewish doctors in Chicago of infecting black babies with AIDS as part of a genocidal plot against African-Americans. The episode highlighted a deep rift within the city's uh, power uh, circle uh, with some prominent black officials supporting Coakley and others calling for his firing. In the girlfriend's recollection, which set off the quarrel, and uh, uh, precipitated the end of the couple's relationship was Obama's stubborn stubborn refusal after seeing the exhibit and the swirl of the Coakley affair to condemn black racism. I I, I mean, this ties perfectly into, uh, you know, the Jeremiah Wright stuff, right? Like, this is... Correct. Crucial. This Jeremiah Wright, remember, was saying exactly what Coakley was saying, that AIDS was invented to kill black people. And Farrakhan. And what Farrakhan was saying. and Farrakhan. Um, she insists that what upset her that day was Obama's inability to condemn those comments. It was not Obama's blackness that bothered her, but that he would not condemn anti-Semitism. Uh, Obama's, uh, of course, they go into this, and he goes to to ask the question, well, whose story is correct here? We don't know, of course, um, but in, in evaluating the truthfulness of these two competing accounts, it seems worth noting that the girlfriend is something more than a woman scorned by a man who would later become president. Obama asked her, Obama asked her to marry him twice. She refused him both times mm. before going to, on to achieve her own high-level professional success. A student uh, goes into her, her, her history. She also, um, scholarship aside, there's another reason to assume that she would be less likely to misremember an incident involving race and anti-Semitism than Obama. As it turns out, her paternal grandparents were members of the Dutch resistance whose role sheltering a Jewish child in their home for three years led to their recognition as righteous among the nations. Uh, We've talked about that distinction many times. It's incredibly important. Yes. In that context, at least, it seems quite likely that she would remember the particulars of a fight with Obama related to anti-Semitism and be turned off by his response, while Obama's version to the fight has the feel of an anecdote positioned, if not invented, to buttress the character arc of the protagonist of his memoir, which positioned him for a career in public life. And I think that 
that plays true. It rings true to me, right? If you have that family history, you're not going to forget the core of this fight, especially no. when that person winds up no. rising to become president of the United States later on. Yeah. It's, it's something that you could uh, see, you know, in, in you or in me, where we could be like, no, I think that was about, and you can conflate different things. But if your breakup is precipitated by something and it is so personal to you, it is, you know, your grandparents were righteous among the nations. Holy cow. It's big. You would remember that. Yeah. You'd remember that. Clearly. Not that your grandparents were Jewish or involved in, you know, anything, but they were part of the Jewish or the uh, uh, the resistance, the Dutch resistance to free the Jews from the Nazis. And they they risk their lives enough to be righteous among the nations. That is a specific designation given to a very few amount of people who did unbelievable things to save Jews. Yeah, and if that's your background, that's, you could see how it might be a tad annoying that your boyfriend is hooking is following the teachings of Louis Farrakhan, right? Like this would not be yes, the, the yes. formula for a long-lasting relationship, which is to her but word, why it ended. Imagine how different things would have been had she married him. Mm. I mean, just the relationship between uh, Israel and the United States. If she would have married him, I mean, because we both know the effect a really good woman has on somebody. And I'm not saying she's not liberal. She's not. I'm sure she. Yeah, she is. I'm so. sure she would never speak to me. Um, but, uh, I would love to talk to her and not about Obama, about her grandparents. I mean, that's incredible. Incredible. And if, if she would have married him, how different things could have been. Yeah. And I tell you, kids get married, (laughs) have children, have lots of children. They are in the end, the only thing that matters. Your whole life will be fulfilled with your family um but uh marry the right person really important yeah <laughs> marry for values not hotness i know it's tough yeah but she's so hot yeah what are her values mm. marry for values and and, and i i mean it, it can be done Stu and i both did it find the hot women that have that have the good values. values yeah and then yeah, get completely I mean, lucky you know, that they'll talk to you uh, that's uh, that's yeah. what, that's in my path. <laughs> well, actually, I think what you have to do is become. Well, no, not in my case, but I think in your case, you had to be somewhat successful. In no, my I, case, I was. I was literally loser, an intern so I, when I met my wife. I was I, I was a producer, uh, the wow. very lowest level producer uh, when I met her. She came along before. Yeah, any but level you were of young. She was young. Yeah, we were dumb. Yeah, we were young I was, and dumb, and that that yeah. that, that, that worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so uh glenn can right, i anyway, highlight uh, this point one more time too that we we made real a, a quick, couple yeah. of minutes ago um perhaps the most revealing thing about her account with the fight with obama is that not one reporter in america bothered to interview her before garrow found her near the end of obama's presidency as obama's live-in girlfriend and closest friend during during the 1980s she is probably the single most informed and credible source about the inner life of a young man whose election was accompanied by hopes of sweeping post-peaceful change in America, blah, 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 blah. Like, no one bothered to find her until Obama was almost done with his presidency. Remarkable commentary on the world of journalism. 
let's see if we can get him on. I mean, we might as well try if we can get her too, but uh, I doubt she would come on. Anyway, uh, realestateagentsitrust.com. I'm a small business owner. One of the things I love best about owning a business is when you when you look at capitalism the right way, you you think, how can I help my audience, my customer? How can I help you? One of the things that uh, I've struggled with, and I bet you have, too, is finding a great real estate agent that really cares about you and your family and really listens and somebody that you can trust through this huge ordeal. That's why I started realestateagentsitrust.com. It wasn't about making money. It wasn't about doing anything. It was about helping people just like me, just like you, find the right real estate agent. Our real estate agents are the best of the best. They're the top sellers in the field. They're going to steer you in the right direction. They don't work for me. All I do is recommend these people. And, you know, you're not buying your way onto the list. We find you and we vet you like nobody's business. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Go now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. The Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We've been talking about a, a book that came out a few years ago by David Garrow uh, that everybody seemed to miss, Rising Star, The Making of Barack Obama. Yeah, and another part of this that's fascinating is the idea that after Barack Obama leaves office, um, he, unlike every other president, leave, it stays in Washington, in D.C., and now the, their excuse for this was basically, I think it was Sasha needed to finish high school, right? Like, yeah. so they didn't want to pull right, her out of high school. Right. But what they talk about is that they basically formed a version of a shadow government inside of Washington, meaning they had all the power players coming to them. They didn't go to Martha's Vineyard that. the whole time and, and live out there. They stayed in Washington and continued to highly influence policy and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, all these things. Um, directly from inside Washington and no reporters there were no reporters staking out the Obama mansion to see who was coming and going like you'd, like you'd expect they just let this all go uh, uncovered and he was influencing obviously mm. not just what was going on during the Trump administration but then of course heavily in- influencing who was inserted into the Biden administration which you know many people commented is the third Obama term right and he the author is not a conservative right no nope. that's why you've never heard of this book it came out in 2017 uh it's called rising star the glenn back program to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So, I don't know if you had a chance to see um, 
the show on Wednesday night, but it was incredibly important that you get the information. So I'm going to share a lot of the information that we gave you on the Wednesday night special on Blaze TV because you need to know what you're up against for Decision 2024. We do that in 60 seconds. Our sponsor is Goldline, and the main reason why I feel it's necessary to prepare for disaster, why I come on this program every day and uh, encourage you to prepare to diversify, put some money in gold or silver or land, whatever it is, is because I'm a student of history, and I know what has happened in the past when countries do what we are doing. When we were downgraded yet again by the ratings company Moody's this last week, Janet Yellen seemed shocked. She shouldn't seem shocked. We're devaluing our money like crazy, like nobody's business, really quickly. I think it was uh, a dollar in the 1930s is now worth two cents. If you had saved that same dollar and had that purchasing power in 1930, that dollar would be worth two cents today when you went in. Well, they're devaluing it a lot faster now. Um, just to 3% inflation yearly, 3% in 10 years will mean you've lost almost 40 cents on every dollar you make. And it's going to come faster and faster because we are spending more and more money. And God forbid another shoe falls like war or some sort of real civil unrest. Please, will you do yourself a favor and call Goldline right now at 866-GOLDLINE. They're waiting for your call. They have a special offer on their historic $5 Gold Liberty and Indian Head coins. These are the ones I buy and ask them why I buy them. With every tube or box of every 20, the $5 Gold Liberty and Indian Head coins you acquire this week, you'll receive five of the one-ounce silver gold line bars absolutely free. Be prepared. Call Goldline today. 866-GOLDLINE. 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. All right. It has been three years since uh, the 2020 election. Three years, I'm sorry, since the most secure election in American history, followed by January 6th, the most damaging, most dangerous time ever in American history, at least since the Civil War. Okay. So what have we learned? Well, we learned that uh, the left was involved in a lot of what we saw on January 6th. The DOJ is not telling us the truth. The FBI had people and informants, and it could have been stopped easily beforehand. But was that really the point of the FBI getting involved? We don't know. We know there were really bad people there on both sides, most likely. Um, and we also know we knew it on January 6th. That's not the way America reacts. But we have also learned that something was wrong and we should have a, uh, a plan to make sure that our elections are secure for 2024. But I don't think anyone on any side is serious about cleaning this up. Everybody wants to use it to their advantage. Let me share some uh, some things that I think are vitally important. I'm going to introduce you in the next hour to some some organizations that you've never heard of. And you need to do your homework quickly and share it with all of your friends locally. Per the Associated Press, around a quarter of all voters used a mail-in ballot during the 2016 and 2018 elections. 
But in 2020, because of COVID, that number doubled. It was the first time in history that a majority of voters didn't cast their ballots in person on Election Day. So it was the first time in history this had happened, but also the most secure ever in history. Hmm. I, I just don't think that's mathematically possible. And here's why. The left and the deep state are trying to make it a crime for you to even ask, was it really secure? But there are, uh, but there are four conditions that cause people to question election results. These are the four conditions. Make it easier to fake one's identity on a ballot. Two, make it easier to manipulate votes. Three, lengthen the, the uh, chain of custody for the ballots. Four, flood the system and overwhelm it. Mass mail-in voting, the most in all of history, covers nearly all of this. And as I'll show you later uh, in the uh, program, the left is planning to make this not only the norm, but vastly expanded in 2024. Now, do they actually believe that mail-in ballots are secure and a best way to conduct elections? No, no. In fact, they were against it forever until they geared up uh, and made sure that that chaos bends in their favor. In 2005, Jimmy Carter came and co-chaired a bipartisan commission on elections. The result was the Carter-Baker report. And they detailed in that, Jimmy Carter, how states should increase voter ID laws and be leery of mail-in voting and to halt all ballot harvesting. So in short, the exact opposite of what the Democrats are doing now, Jimmy Carter was saying, you, you've got to do these things. Otherwise, you won't be able to have a fair and, and secure election. All of this was just as obvious then as it is now. But the Obama campaign doubled down on these facts when he ran for president. Um, he, in 2008, Barack Obama and every House Democrat member in Florida fought the proposal to conduct the Clinton-Obama primary by mail-in ballots. And here's the quote. The state's U.S. House members objected to the proposal and Obama campaign manager David Plouffe said there was deep concerns, real deep concerns, about the reliability and security of mail-in voting. Okay, so when did the left have a change of heart on this? Because they clearly knew then what the rest of us know today, and it wasn't just four years later that U.S. news and the rest of the mainstream media had no issues at all stating these facts. Four years later, voter fraud is proven election manipulation tactic. What do you know? They even in this article detail a case where party activists were convinced, I'm sorry, were convicted of voter fraud for forging absentee ballots. Listen to this quote. Two veteran Democratic political operatives said voter fraud is an accepted way of winning elections, end quote. Now, do you think they had a come to Jesus moment and now they just don't agree with that statement? 
It was the broad consensus that mass mail-in voting was less secure. They said it. We said it. Jimmy Carter said it. But now it's part of the most secure system in history? How? How? What was done? Putting drop-off boxes all across our neighborhoods? Really? They clearly had and have a plan. Now, the question is, what have we done since 2020 to make sure it doesn't happen again? Well, let me show you, if you happen to be watching uh, Blaze TV, the states that have made changes to secure their election process. Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Montana, Nebraska, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Texas, and Wyoming. Now... Look at the states that stayed the same or got worse. Connecticut, District of Columbia, Hawaii, Maryland. You notice any trends here? Connecticut, the District of Columbia, Hawaii, Maryland, Maine, Michigan, Minnesota, New Mexico, New York, Rhode Island, Washington, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Arizona. Did I mention Wisconsin? That is, that's incredible. That's not good. These are the states that have gotten worse since. What has the GOP been doing? What have they been doing? There's a report from VotingRightsLab.org that shows from 2021 to 2023, only 23% of election laws passed have been to harden and secure elections. That means 77% of all election laws passed in the last three years Since 2020, 77% of them are to loosen the standards. The left is winning, and we haven't even started or recognized it. And I think there's a reason. I think the Uniparty comes to play here. Now, Donald Trump in 2016 won by 80,000 votes in three states. He won Michigan, 10,000 votes, Pennsylvania, 47, and Wisconsin by 22. But if I throw that map up again, all three of those states are now worse off than they were in 2020. All three. Can the GOP comment on this? Because it looks like a dereliction of duty, quite honestly. The Democrats, as always, have a plan. The Republicans do not. Now, this has been in the works for a long time, and I want to introduce you to some of the operations that are now happening this death star is almost fully operational uh and it's going to work like a death star unless we stand up in our communities and get involved and informed and don't take no for an answer all right i'm gonna go there in just uh, 60 seconds let me tell you about rough greens donald wrote in about his dog's experience with rough greens he said i've never seen my dog lick the bowl clean uh i mean she does it all the time now and it's because she's looking for any remain, remaining traces of rough greens. She loves it. Thank you so much. No doubt about it, Donald. Your dog seems to be a huge fan. Mine is a huge fan as well. I just in the break went to feed my dog and he ran to the bowl, which he never used to do. 
It's a dog food. It's a supplement developed by naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black that you sprinkle on his food. Remember, brown food is dead food. What you want are the greens. This is filled with vitamins, minerals, probiotics, antioxidants, and all the stuff that is healthy for your dog. Folks at Rough Greens are so confident that your dog's going to love it. They're going to send you a first bag free. Just go to roughgreens.com slash back. You pay for the shipping and the rest of the bag is free. Um, and see if your dog likes it. If it does, just keep taking the bags of uh, Rough Greens and feeding them to your dog, putting just a little scoop of uh, Rough Greens on top of your dog's food. Call them now at 833-GLEN-33. That's 833-G-L-E-N-N-33, roughgreens.com. Also, let me tell you about Tom in uh, Texas. And in Texas, we grow a little different variety of people, okay? Uh, Tom is a Texan. He's 85 years old. He still goes to work every single day. It seems like the only parts of Tom that aren't getting older, uh, uh, were his, um, uh, uh, the only parts that were getting older were his backs, uh, his back and his hips. And over the past few years, they started giving him a lot of grief throughout the day. He was finding it harder and harder to get up in the morning and get his way into work and do the things that he loved. Then he discovered Relief Factor. Shortly after he started taking it, the back and hip pain went pretty much away, and they've stayed away. The three-week quick start, now 1995. It's a trial pack. It's not a drug. Developed by doctors, and hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor, and 70% of them go on to order more. Find out if that's you, and you can get your life back. It's relieffactor.com. 800, the number four, relief. 800, the number four, relief. Relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. 10 seconds, station ID. All right. One of the things that really um, makes me angry about the GOP is their apparent complete befuddlement when they talk about winning elections. They have no clue why we didn't do well in both the general and the midterm elections. It was a shock. This is craziness. What is wrong with you? I told you earlier, the left has been building this electoral machine for years, over a decade now. How can the other side in Washington be this clueless? Why are they all standing in a circle, pointing at each other like a Spider-Man meme? All of the information is there. The problem is the mainstream media refuses to cover it, so you don't know it, and Republican conservatives refuse to believe it's happening. But it is happening. And if we don't expose everything and put a big spotlight on what's going on, we are going to lose again. I'm not telling you this to blackpill you. In fact, I'm telling you so you're not blackpilled. You know, hope without works. There's nothing. Faith without works. Well, I got faith in the party. But you're not doing anything to help move the ball that way. It means nothing. It means nothing. I'm going to give a huge tip to the organization Restoration of America, who has been doing an amazing job at uncovering the left's election strategy. There is a uh, an article there. Listen to this line, quote, how the Voter Participation Center aims to cement Democratic rule by remaking America's electorate, remaking the electorate. Now, that seems kind of disturbing and alarming. Do you as a Republican, do you as a voter even know who or what the Voter Participation Center even is? 
Find out about it, voterparticipations.org. Uh, they go back all the way back to 2003 in the wake of the Republican victories headlined by George W. Bush. Back then, their name was Women's Voices, Women's Vote, and it's a tax-exempt 501c3. The stated goal of the organization is to get more people registered to vote. Now, before I go any further, I want to clarify what is and isn't allowed from a 501c3 to do what they want to do and participate in voter registration and get out the vote drives. From the IRS, the organization cannot conduct activities, quote, in a biased manner that favors or opposes one or more candidates. Now, that's interesting because in 2008, NPR reported strange robocalls from this organization they were sending confusing messages aimed at black neighborhoods and these calls appeared to be helping hillary clinton over barack obama but did they have any connections to the clintons well let's look uh their founder Paige gardner worked on bill clinton's 1992 campaign okay they're just trying to get everybody registered all women uh, also, uh, John Podesta, Bill Clinton's former chief of staff, was a board member. And Hillary, uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, Maggie Williams, was on their leadership team and a consultant. So, yeah, I mean, there's a few ties to Hillary Clinton. Why wasn't this investigated? Why were they allowed just to rebrand to the Voter Participation Center? And maybe more importantly, what have they been doing ever since? Let me introduce you to something else you probably have never heard. The uh, Democrat super PAC called Mind the Gap. A leaked internal strategy memo revealed that Mind the Gap was focusing on mass mail-in ballot initiatives by the Voter Participation Center and their sister organization, the Center for Voter Information. The stated reason and goal for using these organizations is stated on the same page. Quote, on a pre-tax basis... They are two to five times more cost effective at netting additional Democratic votes. Huh. Now, that does not sound very nonpartisan, does it? How does the IRS allow this to continue, especially in the era of mass mail-in voting? Well, I mean, that's why they need those 87,000 IRS agents, right? And remember what I told you earlier, for the first time in our history, the majority of voters did not vote in person during the last election. So what's going on here? Well, check out this quote from Restoration of America found in the book, The Victory Lab, The Secret of Winning Campaigns. This is from a liberal journalist, Sasha Eisenberg. She writes, quote, even though the Voter Participation Center was officially nonpartisan for tax purposes, it was no secret that the goal of all its efforts was to generate new votes for Democrats. So if it's no secret, what's going on? Where's the IRS? We know that. But where the hell have the Republicans been? Why aren't they doing something about it? While the GOP was counting on Joe Biden's low polling numbers to propel Donald Trump to victory, the Voter Participation Center went to work. Now, we're showing you a doc, doc document if you happen to be watching Blaze TV right now. This is directly from their website. They were responsible for more than 360 million registration mailings just in 2020. 
Half of those 360 million registration mailings went to key battleground states, places that Trump won in 2016 but narrowly lost in 2020. For the midterms, the Voter Participation Center sent out 85 million mailings to 32 states. Do you remember how the Fetterman election shocked the entire planet? You know, you watched him on stage in the debate and you're like, what the heck? I mean, how could this guy possibly win? Well, as we said at the time, but we didn't have the names behind it, Pennsylvania was the main target for the Voter Participation Center. They sent out 14.2 million mailers. 82% of those landed in the mailboxes in October before the debate. By the time of the debate, 700,000 people had already mailed in their ballots. Fetterman would win by 263,000 votes. Same in Georgia. I could go on and on and on. But the 2020 debacle is now the norm, and I'll show you what their plans are for the 2024 election, which are worse. Take this information and call your Democratic leaders. The Glenn Beck Program. Sorry, not the Democrats. They know what's happening. Call your Republican leaders. Call them now and get them on this. Patriot Mobile. It's America's only Christian conservative wireless provider offering dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks. So you get the best possible service in your area and you get it without all the leftist propaganda. In fact, when you make the switch to Patriot Mobile, you're letting the world know you support freedom of speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of human life, the Second Amendment, our military, veterans and first responder heroes. Forget the rest of the world. You know what you're doing? You are paying a company to give you the best service, same coverage that you already have, lower price, and they take some of their profits and they pour it back into things like helping fix our election process. Somebody's got to do it and they're standing up. Please switch today, patriotmobile.com slash back or call 878-PATRIOT. 878-PATRIOT, free activation today, patriotmobile.com slash back. 878 Patriot. PatriotMobile.com slash back. Don't miss Glenn's new book, Dark Future. Uncovering the Great Reset's terrifying next phase is available wherever you get your book or at Glenn'sNewBook.com. Last Wednesday night show, you can find it on my YouTube page and you can watch it on Blaze TV in the archives. It is my Wednesday night special and it is involved uh, deeply in what is happening for 2024 and how the the Democrats are building a machine. And, you know, uh, they're open about it, but the Republicans refuse to do anything about it. The left has built this electoral machine, uh, but it could never be so potent without the changes that were made during the pandemic. Things like early voting and, um, you know, mass mail-in balloting. It was also supposed to be temporary fixes. That's what they've said. But that was the crap the left was shoveling. And we told you at the time, they're never going to go away. It will never go away. The end result is one of the most unprecedented elections in history where the ballots were flying in like confetti in a parade for an astronaut. 
and with that in context, it kind of puts the left's extreme draconian response to COVID in an entirely new light, doesn't it? The American conservative recently published a piece on the left's plans for 2024, and it said this. It was never about protecting Americans from the coronavirus. It was always about seizing power. If conservatives are to win in 2024, they must be all in. That starts by understanding the left's playbook for meddling with 2024. I agree. And, you know, I'd like to say it's not like there is a playbook out there, but there is a playbook out there that everyone can read. Back in February, the Washington Post editorial board highlighted five things that should be done to increase public confidence in the next election. It was, you know, pretty much yada, 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 testing voting machines, et cetera, et cetera. But the Washington Post didn't come up with these ideas. They were endorsed with the work of a left-leading nonprofit called the New Deal Forum. Have you ever heard of that? They're all about providing, quote, more than 40 specific action steps that officials should take ahead of the 2024 presidential election, highlighting the vital role state and local officials play in our elections, including where, how and when Americans can vote. Now, there's not a whole lot out there on this organization, and that's really surprising because they are insanely connected. If you scroll through their list of leaders, it includes Stacey Abrams, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, Chris Coons. The laundry list goes on and on of senators, representatives, mayors, council uh, members, school board members, judges, gubernatorial staff spread out all over the country. And it's kind of odd for a small, underreported organization. Whatever is really going on, they are clearly leveraging their vast influence. They recently published a list of states that are implementing their ideas. The states, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Nevada, Colorado, New Mexico, Minnesota, and Michigan. Some of those states look kind of important if we want to win in 2024. So with all this influence and success, what's their ultimate plan? Well, let's look at their playbook, which they have. It is actually called the Democracy Playbook. It includes measures that would fully transform how Americans vote. Page 17 and 18, voter registration would completely change. They want automatic voter registration. It can be done online on the same day as the vote. There's no way anyone would ever be able to take advantage of that, right? It's totally secure. It would also allow pre-registration for kids who are 16. So when they turn 18, they're all ready to go. Now, this is totally not the preamble for 16-year-olds to eventually vote. Sure, I'm surely that's not what this is really about. No, because there hasn't been legislation in- introduced to get that ball rolling. Oh, wait. The playbook also includes expanding early voting, uh, doubling down on absentee mail-in voting, plopping down uh, more of those totally secure uh, drop boxes. And look at this, legislation to make sure that 16-year-olds can vote. Because the playbook says the AP told us they're secure, they're secure, and we're not supposed to question, just just know that it's the experts are telling you. These are all of the temporary solutions brought in for the pandemic. But now they want this to be the new and permanent system. And why wouldn't they? This is the culmination to the plans they have been building and perfecting for over a decade. Democrats 
of a hundred organizations like the Voter Participation Center targeting groups by the millions. And what do we have? Mitch McConnell? Until we get our butts in gear and strengthen election systems in every single community and every single state, we have no choice but to play the left's game here. We need to triple down on how the left is using mass mailers to targeted areas like battleground states. The numbers are extremely clear. This is how they won in 2020 and 2022. We haven't even started and they're still changing the laws to skew to make it all worse. Listen, I don't want to black pill you. I don't want to leave you with just bad news. But I started the program today with a monologue that if you missed, you should go back and listen to it wherever you get your podcast. But this is what I said two hours ago. We can navigate this storm together. Together. We stand on the precipice of demanding times, laden with complex questions and potentially tougher answers. But if we rally around our Bill of Rights, uphold our personal responsibility, and acknowledge that we are not infallible, but neither are the corporations, the elites, the algorithms, nor governments, they're not omnipotent. God remains God, and we are not him. That's the first thing we have to do. That's how we write a new chapter in our American story. Pay no attention to the internet mob, the angry, misguided malcontents who march, burn, and destroy, or to the crazy reporters on networks that are telling you out-and-out lies and to deny what you have just seen. It's not going to be changed by a puff-up army of government administrators or an all-powerful executive, no matter what anybody tells you. What's going to change this country is us. And I don't just mean conservatives. I mean all of us living our own lives, simply doing the next right thing and uniting under the banner that we all still hold these ideas as self-evident truths, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. You know all of this. You must live your life this way. You must understand that the next line is, to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, and they derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. So... We are the ones that give them this power, and it's only just power. When, is you, when have you seen just power recently? By the way, the governed, that's you. Not some distant pencil pusher that you never voted for. Not some, you know, uh, NGO that strips you of another right or opportunity under cover. That's not American governmental power, and it's not just. We have to increase our efforts in exposing the deep state, not get blackpilled by all of it. Know who God is and know that he is involved in our lives, and he is deeply involved in the rights of men. There are people in places like the FBI and DOJ and State Department and all over the rest of the bureaucracy 
that have their own agenda. It is not a just or American agenda. That agenda has nothing to do with the will of the people. The consent of the governed. They can't get these things done because you know they're wrong. So they have to rig the system. They have to dismantle the American system that has restraints on the federal government, on the state government, the local government, because the power comes from you. Exposing them works. This week has been an amazing thing. It's been an amazing time. I, I have, at the same time, been so depressed. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Look at how sloppy these people were. This mob, the mob should be in, insulted that they call themselves a mob. It's, it's like the Keystone Cops. They're so sloppy and arrogant. And I can't believe that we have had whistleblowers come out. And they aren't undercover. We know their names. We couldn't know the names against Trump, but we know these guys and they are under fire and they are in danger and they stood up. What happened with Devin Archer this week is incredible. But the good news is people are seeing it and more and more people every day slowly, but they are seeing it. Exposing this works. We're seeing it in real time with the Biden crime family. You have the power to change all this, but you won't soon. If you don't go to your local GOP, I mean your local GOP, and start strategizing on how you are going to make sure those ballots are confirmed, they are verified, and only people who can be verified are to vote. You must sign up for this. Go to your state. You've got to stop the erosion of your governance, your own governance over the federal government. They get the power from you. It's time we govern over them and say no. Back in just a minute. There's a raging battle in this country for our hearts and the souls and the minds, really, of our children. If you pay attention to the news, you see pieces of it all the time, and those pieces add up fast. Did you see the uh, audio from or the the uh, clip from NBC where they were talking about the kids in a transgender camp and how wonderful that was? Play this, will you? It's uh, NBC Cut Three. Summer camp is a time for kids to make lifelong memories, right? And that is exactly what New York's new country pride camp says that it does, all while aiming to also be inclusive. Yeah, it's amazing. The camp website describes it as a welcoming community of LGBTQ plus young people and staff to create an experience where everyone is able to thrive. NBC News correspondent Stephen Romo got a firsthand look at the camp. Steven, did it make you want to be a kid again? <laughs> yeah, wow, it brought back so many memories, guys. This camp's only in its third year right now, but parents and organizers agree it's much needed, a place where these kids can not just be tolerated, but celebrated. Unbelievable. Can you imagine if Glenn Beck held a constitution camp? Do you think NBC News would say the same thing that they're saying about this camp? It's unbelievable. Your children 
I was just talking to uh, a congressman uh, a couple of days ago, and he said, Glenn, I never really understood because my kids have been out of school for a while. You cannot send your kids to school. There is no safe place in America to send your kids to a public school. And he's right. You have to do it. You have to be involved. There's a free book today from the Tuttle Twins. This is the last day it's free. It's called the Tuttle Twins and the 12 Rules Boot Camp. You pay shipping. That's it. Your kids and your grandkids will begin absorbing the same values, the same emphasis on personal responsibility that you've absorbed from listening to Jordan Peterson's work over the last few years, because this book is based on his rules. Unfortunately, we live in a society now where victimhood is the rule of the day. You must purge this from your grandkids and and your kids and strengthen them with the truth. Go to TuttleTwinsBeck.com. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Get the book. It's free. You just pay for shipping. Go there now. Get the Tuttle Twins and the 12 Rules Boot Camp while supplies last. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mm. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck Program. Uh, just got a note uh, from... Uh, our IT guy, Glenn, you're currently set up with a Google workspace. Uh, you are using 0.0 gigabytes of storage. <laughs> are you still using this account? No, huh? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I don't like putting my stuff up in Google. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. We have so uh, many but, different uh, uh, formats that we, we're supposed to all be communicating and storing things on. And like, I don't know how to use any of them. So like I, the people are like, hey, I just uh, I mean, slacked you, you a, a tweet and, uh, and I friendstered you. Uh, uh, and I'm like, OK, great. I'll, I'll make sure to look at that, um, you know, at some sometime in the future. Some place. Uh, never. <laughs> Um, at that, at never o'clock, <laughs> I will be checking that message and make sure. Oh my gosh, I I have there's so many things that are out and and some of them are great. Somebody showed me something uh, just the other day with AI, and they were like, "Look at what this can do!" And I'm like, "Huh, never be able to learn how to use that." Yeah, no idea. As we discussed no earlier idea. this week, I'm in the in the in the throes of trying to recreate the village, uh, the movie. Uh, and just trying to suck myself out of this, whatever this is, <laughs> as fast as possible. The problem is I'm way too spoiled for it. So, like, I don't want to farm either. Like, I don't, I, I definitely want DoorDash to continue to show up in this world. And I'm not, I've not been able to. I will tell you, out here in the Mountain West, uh, I'm way away. I'm, I'm 45 minutes to an hour away from the closest, what m- most would say is a city. It's not really. It's just a bigger town. Right. Uh, and uh, Uber Eats, none of that stuff comes up here. And it is shocking when you're like, um, I didn't even think about dinner until just now. What, what, what is there for dinner? And you open the fridge and it's like nothing because the grocery store is 40 minutes away. And you're like, well, I don't really need to eat today. <laughs> it's just we are really 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 used to uh, a different kind of lifestyle especially the closer you live to the cities uh, all right 
Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you this afternoon on Blaze TV. I'm doing my Friday uh, special, and, and then we'll see you back here Monday morning. Have a safe weekend. God bless. The Glenn Beck Program.